Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios, presented to you by your local Hyundai dealers. The score celebrates 30 years. WSCR in HD Chicago, WBMX HD2 Chicago. We are Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's voice of the fan for 30 years. In Odyssey Station. The score! right in front of the Carolina bench. They're going to pin down for Remy. And once Abaji sprints through the ball, Harris, I said, it's out of bounds. I think. I don't know what happened. Davis making an appeal. They might review it. It's a nice call, nice set. And oh, they did. Yeah, they, did. Oh, they got they it. go out of bounds. That yeah. left foot. Twice. Got to go quick. 19 seconds. Oh, oh a settle. Way outside. A settle. Ball tipped around. Came and got it back. Nine seconds to go. Johnson was back out here. Short with the shot. Man, it kicks to the corner and throws it away. Unbelievable. Go to the rim with that drive. You didn't need a three at all right there. You had a lot of time. A great defense by Kansas, but you called this rap. Go inside with Baycott out and McCormick, who's come up big down the stretch with his team, makes the big-time two-pointer there. Down on Manic, and here we go. Manic circling around and slipped underneath. They go to Love. Love's going to be the one to take it. Puts up the shot. It's off. The game is over. And Kansas completes the biggest championship comeback. Yep, that's the part everybody watches for, or do they? With the one shining moment montage after the Kansas, or Kansas, I was going to say the Kansas City, or Kansas beat North Carolina 72-69 to in the national title game last night. Welcome back into Score Overnight. I'm Mark Grody. 312-644-6767. Yeah, One Shining Moment is like the last cheesy kind of old-school ambiance that seems to be allowed in sports. And I always feel like it's just hanging on by a limb. You know, I'm sure, honestly, there probably have been meetings with the NCAA and college basketball and whomever to try to modernize that, like play something new and hip. And, like, but they – but it hasn't happened yet. Like every every other walk of sports, it has occurred. Like you don't get the up with people, the halftime show in the NFL now. Now it's, well, they're finally starting to get hip. 
with with the acts that they have. If you consider that this year, even those old was old school hip hop. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like you don't Kendrick have Lamar. That stuff. Yeah, Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, let's that was get him to make enough. a song for uh, for college basketball, huh? Oh, we gonna be all right. Uh, the I mean, like think about it, Sean. Like in all sport, like baseball. Like baseball used to be, and and there yeah, there's still a lot, a lot of organ playing that goes on in baseball games. But now there's walk up music, and it's all like cool, like hip music and stuff like that, which I'm down with too, because I do like to keep up with that stuff. But there isn't like that little piece of character that exists like in college basketball. Sure, um, you know what I mean? Like Bulls games, like they're not a lot of classics. The only stadium in this town. That's that I hear consistently playing older music and classic rock is Blackhawks games, United Center. A lot of that. Really? A lot of, yeah. Yeah. They they still go like a lot of the Pearl Jam at the games and what did I hear the other day? It was like something in that yeah. you know, nineties rock. Like a lot of like I know at the NBA or at least Bulls games, they like literally have a DJ um, at, at yeah. their games, which uh, Bears Bears do too, right? Yeah. Which like is cool, I guess. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, we're gonna play turn down for what again? Like that's what we're gonna do here. Is this uh, <laughs> is this a song we need still? But um, I don't know. I I do like I do like the like it's nice to hear the band at college games. I do love the organ at yeah. baseball games. Like that that right. part is cool. But no, it is cool. It's warming. Yeah, I don't know. And I get like you know you got to entertain everyone, and I'm sure the players don't want to hear like. I don't know. They probably am tired of hearing "Put me in, coach," as they like oh, warm up for games. Like, trust I get me, it, you know. Trust me, the players have like at, well, at least when I was with the Cubs, like the Cubs players would yell up to the you know to the PA guy or the guy running all the music and tell them to put something else on, or they would have their own sound system down on the field, which they would crank up, and then the neighborhood would tell them to turn it down. So, <laughs> and this was this was before games. So, yeah, yeah the players have sort of taken over. The entertainment and and the fans have dictated a lot of it, but point is, one shining moment is still there, and I do fear we will lose it. That it will be lost one of these years. I won't um, be upset when that happens. <laughs> this so, is so, awfully. I'm so done with the song, and uh, I love Luther Vandross, but like, man, what? I don't like what is that? Why is this a tie to basketball? Like, I don't yeah. understand. Well, I mean, it is the there are shining. Mo- I kind of get it actually. As weird as as melancholy and like love sounding as the song is, yeah, it's there's a very Disney quality to it, you know, and for it's sure. One sh- it's one yeah. shining moment, and and it, I think it actually is fitting, but I don't think that it's gonna, it's. Well, I don't know. It's made it this long. Well, it just feels like it should be playing at, like in the credits of like Little Mermaid two, like not like the NCAA <laughs> title exactly. game. There's no doubt about it. There, there's no doubt about it. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. I am Mark Rody. I'm here with you until five a.m. Then it is the Mully and Haw show. Five a.m. to nine a.m. They will have the five at five at five twenty. Also, the pick six at six twenty. Two great segments. I'm usually up until after. Or eh, like either during the pick six or until after, and then I just died. Marky Mark's got to sleep. Seven twenty-two. John Heyman will be on talking baseball. Eight twenty-two. Tim Brando will be on from Fox Sports talking about the college basketball game tonight. 
And then at 842, some hardcore NFL talk with the boys as Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk will be on. We'll give you the headlines of the day here in just a second. We're going to hear from A.J. Brzezinski about if he'd like to be the White Sox manager. Uh, We have a lot to do in the next 45 minutes. And first, grabber rules dictate phone calls take priority. So it is Tom in Glendale Heights. Hi, Tom. You're on the score. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Mark. Uh, so, uh, you know, the, the White Sox had a, had a rough few days. Um, first, you had uh, Tony La Russa insulting White Sox fans who had the audacity to question uh, what the White Sox have done in right field, considering they've had the worst right field in all of baseball the past right, four so years. Right, you're so not, you're not a real fan if you don't like the guys yeah. that are already on the roster. Right, gotcha. Then he walked it back. And he didn't like. Did he? Uh, he didn't like. PB. Well, not really. No, no, not he didn't. Really. But, you, yeah. but, but it's like you know, who cares? I mean, whatever. You know, I can as long as he wins the championship, I'll get over it. Exactly. But yeah, but but then you have Garrett Crochet go down uh, with Tom, and he's probably going to need Tommy John surgery. And I mean, last time you and I talked about it, I mean, I, I mentioned, listen, his his velocity was going down, and that's usually a, a sign that you might have to get Tommy John surgery. Mm-hmm. So that's not fun. That's not good either. Um, let's see, you had uh, Lance Lynn uh, is going to be out for the next two months, uh, highlighting the fact that maybe the White Sox should have given Carlos Rodon a qualifying offer or at least, you know, done something to replace him. Because, once again, we don't we don't trust Dallas Keuchel. We don't know what Michael Kopech's going to do. And, by the way, Lance Lynn is out for two months. Uh, you know, I, I guess the good thing was the Pollock trade. I, I'm, it's okay. It's not like I mean he's he's 34. He has injury. He's had injury concerns in the past. It's 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 kind of like it's hard to complain about it because I just said the White Sox have had the worst right field in all of baseball, and he's like the best right fielder. Who, well, even though he barely plays right field, but he'll be the best yeah. right fielder we've had in five years. Huh. Um, it, it's basically it's a band aid, but it's yeah. it's a it's it's a good band aid. You know, it, it'll get it'll buy some time to figure out. Who's the you know? Because the question is who's who's the long term solution in right field, and we still don't know who that is. Um, I'm just I'm just getting tired of the White Sox, like you know, because you have all the spinsters. Oh well, the White Sox have a top seven payroll, and the White Sox have spent the most money in the history of the franchise on payroll. Uh, you know, two things can be true at the same time. The White Sox can have a top seven payroll, and they can still be kind of cheap. And that's what annoys me about the White Sox. Yeah, you know, they, like, they didn't complete the trick. I mean, if they're going to be a top seven payroll, then why aren't you acting like it when you have a, a an opening in right field? And even before the Lance Lynn injury, you definitely had an opening in the starting staff. You have not replaced Carlos Rodon. Absolutely, you could have signed a you could have signed a pitcher, you know, in the off season, you know, and it, it, you know, people people forget people have short memories. The White Sox saved so much money during the rebuild in terms of payroll, like. Go, go back to go back to 2018. Um, if you factor in Wellington Castillo's, you know, uh, suspension for uh, PEDs, the White Sox had the lowest payroll in all of baseball. It was under 70 million dollars. So I don't want to hear about how the White Sox are spending all this money when during the rebuild they saved like if, if you think about the, if you think of the rebuild as three years, they probably saved well over 100 million dollars in those three years in terms of payroll. And you know, I was talking to a buddy of mine about it. <clears throat> And he's one of those guys who's always positive, you know, and he says, well, didn't the White Sox spend all this money on a, a Luis Robert? I call him Lou Bob because I like that name, so I call him Lou Bob. It's a great name. But yeah. the truth, and the truth of it is, I mean, they really didn't because, yes, they had to spend $26 million to sign him or whatever it was, and then they had to match that in fines. 
But what people don't understand is that's the only time that the White Sox ever did that. So all the other years, and there was probably about five years of that, and I'll give you an example. Um, There's five years where, like, teams were paying a lot of money for guys and then having to pay fines. The perfect example is when the Boston Red Sox signed Yohan Moncada. So they signed him for $32 million, and then they had to write a check for $32 million in fines. So they basically paid everybody in the league a million dollars, at least. So whatever that number is, whether it's $26 million that they had to pay in fines, take a million right off the top. And there are other teams who have had to pay those fines. Uh, San Diego would do it. The Yankees would do it. I don't want to tell I don't want to tell Cubs fans not to be mad at Ricketts because you have every right to be mad at him. But think about this for a second. So Theo Epstein takes over the Cubs. They sign all these guys, they have to pay all these fines. You have to wait two years in the penalty where you can't really spend a, spend as much about, money as you When you talk when you keep saying fines just for clarity, you're talking about the luxury tax. Yes, yes. Well, so it's so it's when you spend. So this is no longer the case now because the international signing period has changed. But back, you know, back when when Theo Epstein first uh, took over the Cubs, you could basically go well. Oh over. yeah, right, right. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Right. right, and the Cubs don't. They don't have that hack anymore. I got you. Sorry, I misunderstood right. you. Gotcha. But 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 just to explain it though, too though, like so Theo Epstein goes into the penalty box. Waits two years, and what did he do? Goes right back into the penalty box. I mean, like he spent over. So, so once again, Tom Ricketts put his foot in his mouth, and he does it all the time. I'm not going to tell Cubs fans not to be mad about him, but the White, but the but the Cubs did spend some good amount of money at the beginning of the rebuild. The White Sox, on their hand, find ways to cut corners. Like um, what I talked about the penalty box. So the White Sox are in the penalty box for two years. 2019. They traded international bonus pool money to the Texas Rangers, like $1.25 million. You know, And they did it so that they could save buyout money for Wellington Castillo and I think Nate Jones was the other guy they did that for. Well, you, know, you have to understand, so that's $1.25 million that they don't have to spend. And then you know, they get to save extra money in the buyouts that then Texas has to pay. The White Sox, though, should have spent that money on prospects. They didn't want to do that. They didn't want to – and for people who say, well – you know, who could they have signed? Well, I, I don't know any names, but what I do know is is that when the White Sox signed Fernando Tatis Jr., they spent 700 k on him. Find me another Fernando Tatis Jr. and give him 700 k and then sign him, and then maybe we can trade him later. But the White Sox just love to they, – they love to cut corners on this rebuild. And that's what just annoys me so much. Spend well, the and money. Here's, here's the here's the dealio. The the pro, and the reason I won't disagree with you, even though like that you're you're getting into the you're getting into the weeds here on some of this stuff. The fact is that the the White Sox still have not won a playoff series in these two in these two years, and they really haven't come close against. Well, I guess Oakland they came relatively close, but it was not close against Houston. So when we talk about the White Sox being and praising them for being a top five and then top seven payroll in the league that's all fine but then you gotta you have to use that you have to show us that you're using that to win a damn playoff series and i I also i also hate i'll be honest with you tom i hate that it is out in the stream that it is out there in the world in the chicago whites or the the chicago sports bubble it is out there 
that the Sox have a top seven payroll right now because that stuff does get to the White Sox. They hear it. They know that, oh, yeah, that's right. We got a top seven payroll. People are noticing. So that's good. And then they could subconsciously use that as their own excuse. Hey, we've spent money on this team. You know, we're top seven payroll. People can't call us cheap anymore. Can't call us the small market White Sox. You can't, you know, say that we're the other team in town, that we're, we're acting like a big market. We're top seven. So I hate that it's out in the stream of consciousness of everybody that is a, you know, Sox fans who some will use that that information and, and use it to their benefit in an argument, and the Sox might too. So I hate that. I hate that it's out there, and I promise you the White Sox have heard people praising them for being in that spot, and you could easily become satisfied when you can boast that you have a top seven payroll. 312 644 67, 67. I still got the A.J. Brzezinski stuff coming. We've just gotten hot on a couple of things here. So we, we will bring you that shortly here within the hour on Score Overnight. Your calls are welcome, 312-644-6767. That's the same line for the text number. I'm also on Twitter, at Mark Grody Sports. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. This is Sports Radio 670, The Score, Chicago's sports station. 2-2 to Eloy is hammered to left field. Hap turns and watches that one go over the wall. Wow. That got out of here quick. Line drive solo homer for Eloy Jimenez. 6-5. Cubs lead the White Sox. Now, Eloy's got a fast bat. We know that. Eloy Jimenez, Danny Mendick, and Xavier Fernandez hit home runs for the White Sox. Cubs win the game, though. Cubs beat the Sox 15-9. They get a bunch of homers, too. Wilson Contreras, two-run blast. Nick Madrigal hit one out as well, and so did Ian Happ. Ian Happ homered, and Rick Sutcliffe said that he thinks that Ian Happ is going to be an all-star this year. And uh, who knows? I mean, pedigree says ninth pick, 2015. He's had moments, but I'm not predicting Ian Happ to be an all-star this year. I'm hoping that he survives the season. 312-644-6767 is the number. I'm Mark Rohde. It is score overnight. The Bears began phase one of their workout program yesterday. And um, the the next time that we get to be at their media, voluntary minicamp on April 19th through the 21. The Bears made what seems like a pretty insignificant move today. They re-signed tight end Jesper Horstead. Not not that big a deal because he hasn't exactly been the number one contributor, although he does catch touchdown passes. There's no doubt about it. But it is something in the Ryan Poles era to have professed faith in a player, or if you want to say a coach, which he hasn't, but a player from the previous regime. And I get it. We're talking about in, pretty inconsequential, not even a draft pick of the Bears. You know, this is a guy who played at Princeton and, we, we know, I mean, there's a lot of Jesper Horstead fans out there. I get it. But just in a small way, Ryan Poles saying, and I know he's got to fill out a roster too. You know, he's got 90 guys he's got to figure out for now. So to have him back, it's just a little bit of like, hey, you pat, you were good enough for that regime and you're good enough for this regime. But I understand, too, that Jesper Horstead, some of this is is filler. For the Bears, and uh, we shall see. But I probably shouldn't say that, man. When I tweeted about Jesper Horstead today, people were very happy. Because, really, I mean, you should. I mean, Jesper Horstead, when you see him on the field, he makes plays. (laughs) 
he does. He doesn't get a lot of opportunities. But when he's out there, he makes plays. And who knows? Maybe Ryan Poles has identified something specific in Jesper Horstead that he likes. But it just brought up that bigger topic of is Ryan Poles just going to shun everything from the previous regime, from obviously coaches, but what about players and you know draft picks, especially from the previous regime? What does he think about about Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum and Daz Newsom and you know Kyrus Tonga? Is it just like a complete like I I don't even I've never even heard of Kyrus Tonga. You know what I mean? Like, does he care about those guys? Does he care about Cole Komet? Does he care about Kendall Vildor? We know he cares about Darnell Mooney. So that that's another guy. To have passed the previous regime test, Darnell Mooney has. And most new GMs in any sport, the first thing they do is just start wiping everything out from the previous regime. That's what Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer did when they got here, just one by one, except for who were the two? Who were the two? The, the two key holdovers from the previous regime, they were Javier Baez and Wilson Contreras, both Jim Hendry guys. But – you know, it's a you, you bring in your own guys, brought in a bunch of Boston guys with the Cubs, and now with Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus, and Luke Getze, bringing in those Green Bay guys, bringing in those Colts guys, and bringing in those Chiefs guys and getting rid of the old players. 312-644-6767. Before we get back to the calls, a few text messages. Um, 262, doing a good job, Mark. Les would be happy. You're like a new bartender. I could talk sports that could talk sports too. Uh, thank you. Three, three, one. Socks are a tease. They take their fans to the edge, and then will do. Will not fully commit to the ultimate prize. <laughs> it is. It has been kind of like that this year. Like here you go. Here's your team. It's pretty good. Maybe re actually, let's just say, is really good. But uh, there's nothing more we could do for you right now. So. Here it is. Here it comes. So the texture is right to some point. Almost there. You almost completed it. Is this team good enough to win a playoff series? Because I don't think this roster is better than last year's roster. I just don't. And I, I do, too. Like I like A.J. Pollock. I loved him. I thought he was going to be a star when he was with Arizona. But he's been had some severe injuries. He's 34 years old. He's played five or six games in right field. And he's not even what he was as an outfielder when he's playing center field or left field that, that he was in the beginning of his career. So it's a it's a decent major. That's a professional player right now. It's kind of like some of these bear. It's like Justin Jones and Kadeen Muhammad and Nick Morrow. These are pros, man. Just not going to move the meter. Um, what else do we have here? Yeah, let me see here. Uh, the bartender did that. Trying to do a better job at reading these text messages. Sorry, Sean. I'll get to the calls here in a second. All right. All right. You win. Adam in Lake Villa. Hi, Adam. You're on the score. Hey, good morning, Mark. Mark, good uh, morning. first congratulations. Yes, uh, good morning. First congratulations to Kansas and uh, Coach Bill Self on beating Carolina. Um, great season for Bill Self. I always admire his coaching when, when he was at Illinois. Wish he would have stayed at Illinois. Uh uh, you know, just uh, I remember all those great Kansas players too, like Danny Manning and Kirk Heinrich, ex bowl Kirk Heinrich. So I, I wonder if you know Kirk Heinrich was at the game. I'm sure he enjoyed it. And, uh, uh, anyway, uh, Mark, uh, switching to MLB, um, Les uh, Les always used to give us his division winner and wild card picks 
before the start of the season. And I'm hoping to hear yours and Sean's, but tonight I'm going to give you my National League uh, division winner and wild card picks and, and uh, National League MVP and Cy Young Award winner. And then uh, I want to hear you know, your and Sean's comments on it. Hit me with okay, it, buddy. First, okay. Uh, National League West, the Giants are going to win the West. Uh, okay. The Brewers are going to win, the Brewers are going to win, win the Central. And the Braves are going to repeat and win the East. And then there's three wild card teams this year, Mark. So uh, mm-hmm. I got two uh, wild cards coming out of the West. The Dodgers and the Rockies are both going to be wild cards. Uh, Rockies with Chris Bryant and Coors Field, they're, they're going to put up a lot of runs. And then uh, out East, the Mets are going to be the second wild card getting Scherzer. Mm, okay. Um, okay. So, here's what I really want to hear your and Sean's uh, thoughts on. I'm going to give you my uh, Cy Young and uh, 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 M- uh, MVP. And if Mike Mulligan's listening, I hope he's got a seatbelt on because this might shock him too. Oh. Um, Nash- <laughs> National League MVP uh, coming back off that horrible injury last year, Ronald Acuna from the okay. Braves. I don't, think that's, I don't think that's outlandish at all. Okay, and here's the here's the shocker. Uh, oh, no, oh, okay. Uh, okay. Put your seatbelt on, Mark. All right, it's on. Uh, National League Cy Young Award winner Carlos Rodon. And let me get uh, your and Sean's uh, thoughts on that. I'll hang up and listen. Oh. Thanks, Mark. Oh, thank you for the call. Hey, if Carl, I mean, it's like the same thing with Carlos Rodon. He, he might have been Cy Young last year if he would have been healthy at the end of the season. He just he wasn't. So. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. Carlos Rodon will not because there, there's no doubt in my mind that at some point in time, you know, Carlos Rodon's going to miss a bunch of starts. It just happens every year, whether it's missing starts or losing severe velocity, as he did last year and, and was became ineffective, essentially. So it's a, that's an interesting pick, though. I will I, – I, Adam, that is, that is interesting, and I – it's not crazy, but if you ask me if I think he will be, no. And it's only because of the damn injuries. We've we've seen it every single year of his White Sox career. Every single year. At some point in time, he has been derailed by injuries. Not as dramatically this year to where he was, like, never shut down for, like, you know, 50 games or never had some big – I mean, I can't even keep track of all the – the like major dramatic injuries he had had. So it wasn't as dramatic this year, but it certainly affected the White Sox at the end. So I'm going to say I disagree with, with that, but I like it. I like the thinking though. It's yeah. very interesting. I It's it's a bold pick for sure. It I, is. Uh, I don't know if I, like you said, he's got to stay healthy first before you're talking about him, even as a Cy Young. I mean, he pitched great, um, but there's no way. I mean, especially I, in this lockout year, that, yeah, this that, is just like, a year. Like you're, you're really like you might not necessarily have to like bend the rules, so to speak, in terms of like who you're voting for for MVP or especially for, for you know Cy Young. But this is gonna be a tough year for pitchers. We're not gonna see a lot of guys stay fully healthy. I know, I know, and 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 so maybe Carlos Rodon is ahead of the curve because he's used to this. Yeah, <laughs> he's used, to, he's used to taking his month off. Yeah. Yes, but there's no doubt in my mind that Carlos Rodon will miss at least a handful of starts this year, yeah. and not because they're resting him. You know, it's it, it just it's just this it's just this unfortunate path that Carlos that has you know befallen Carlos Rodon. 
And that's why they didn't invest in him like San Francisco did. Because, well, for a couple of reasons. The Sox, like, there's no way. I mean, like, at the, to invest huge bucks in him was a hard ask for the White Sox, considering they've been up front and face-to-face with that guy for all of these years. And then to see the velocity do what it did at the end of, the, of last year and hurt the White Sox, there's no doubt. And then the other part is... Is that the is the Michael Kopech factor? And while the Sox know, they know because he's like Carlos Rodon in some ways. You could depend on there being issues with Michael Kopech too. But the idea is is that they are hoping that Michael Kopech, to some degree, can be depended upon to take over that spot. And maybe Dylan Cease is more than just the guy with the good stuff. You know, walking into the walking in all fancy with his good stuff. How about how about being a you know a better than a third or fourth starter? Um, and I do think the one thing I do think is that I am predicting is that Dallas Keuchel will have a good year this year. I really think Keuchel's going to have a good year. It's just I mean he's he's too good in his career, and I know he's older to have seasons like he did last year. So I do think that. I think he's going to have a really good year. I do think Giolito's going to have a really good year. And once Lynn gets back, he's going to be Lynn. He's going to be Lance Lynn. It's just, it's just the Kopech factor, and and obviously, you know, Dylan Cease's I was just talking about. So, and you just don't. I was going to say Dylan Cease is the guy I'm really looking at and saying, you know, it, I mean, and, and plenty of people are saying this too, but I've just been loving him since he was a Cub prospect. I think he's got one of the most impressive. Uh, curveballs in the and not only the White Sox system but in baseball just falls off the table and he just continues to add that velocity staying pretty high 96 97 98 but it's the rotations the RPM or it just continues to ramp up and that's really where you start seeing swings and misses so I, I'm excited for Dylan C's yeah I hope so I mean I am hoping for him because it's just so empty when you have a guy with all that stuff and then like right. the, the way he's talked about just and you just did it too sometimes yeah i mean the way he's talked about he should be a, a the top of a staff and not not like Oh, you got all this great stuff, but there's no right. – you're not harnessing well, it, Gavin Floyd. So, like, you, and Cease is one of those guys – he's got such big hands. It lets him throw a ton of different pitches, but he's mm-hmm. just one of these guys that just, like, you need to refine yourself to three or four pitches that you do that's a really, great point. really well. That's a, that's a really good point. Yeah. You know, not there, everyone's like, you Darvish. You can't have 12 pitches uh, in your arsenal. You know? Well, and even you Darvish's, you know, collection and arsenal of pitches has not always done him well because if those – like, if, if they start to go bad – and yeah, what what's your real bread and butter then? And that happened with the Cubs, you know, where he was falling behind, and, and like that was you Darvish's problem. Every time you watch a you Darvish start, it was the count was two and zero. It was like it was like you know the, the runner starting on second base, and you Darvish starts with a two zero count or two one or three one or whatever. So, but yeah, I think that everybody feels the same way about Dylan Cease. But I, honestly, I don't want to hear any more about Dylan Cease and the great stuff and the incredible things that he can do out there i want to see that has to translate into being another guy in the staff that you win because of i i would that's what i want to see from him molly and hawk coming up five to nine at 520 they'll have the five at five the pick six at 620 john Heyman talking baseball with the boys from mlb network at 722 tim brando all over 
the national title game last night, which Kansas won against North Carolina, 72-69. to The Tar Heels trailed 15 at halftime. So he'll be on to talk about that game and the Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk at 842. In the meantime, I'm open, 312-644-6767 on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's sports station. So we decided on Gio. So Gio and Cecil pitched second. Uh, and uh, right now we got, we got Kopech slated for third. I tell you the most important thing, because this is those two years aside, it's this year, the work that he did to get ready for this camp. I mean, it's really been impressive. Uh, not just, you know, getting stronger, but I mean, he came in ready to pitch. So, and that's kind of what you look for, you know, at the top of the rotation. I mean, Lance did the same thing, you know, they take a responsibility, they're accountable. It's classic stuff, so I'm very fortunate. White Sox manager Tony La Russa with the announcement that Lucas Giolito will be the opening day starter for the White Sox on the north side for the Cubs. That distinction will be going to Kyle Hendricks. Welcome back in on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, I am Mark Grody. A couple more text messages from the 847. is Brad Biggs on with Molly and Haw today. Not scheduled. Um, from the 815, I thought Kansas was behind at the half. Yeah, I botched it. I said North Carolina was. Yes, Kansas was down by 16, actually, as many as 16 in the first half, and then down after the first half, 40 to 25 was the score. So it was a undeniably entertaining game. The game felt like it was truly in the hands of the players and not the coaches. Like there was only so you know, I'm sure that Bill Self gave a great speech at halftime, but that stuff only goes so far. And with, you know, a couple of the, the, the ankles acting up for Caleb Love and where are you, Armando Baycott, it's like the it just was like, okay, this game has been bizarre in terms of some of the – I thought that Kansas was going to run them early in this game. They were up 7 nothing and like 9-2. to two. It felt like, okay. North Carolina has met like it's the true number one against the number eight. That's what we're seeing here right now. And then I'll be damned if North Carolina didn't start to dominate and take over the game. So it got to a point where I'm like, this is – you guys, there's going to be ten players out on the court who are going to decide this thing. And while the coaching, you know, college basketball always overcoached. But in this case, I just felt like it was out of the hands of the coaches. Well, did, did you hear Hubert Brown? Uh, oh like yeah, at the halftime, like he was yes. amped up, like he was. Well, the, like, that was in the first the quarter. Up. Oh, yeah, oh, it was the first yeah. quarter. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Like he was ready to go win a title, and you know, and then it just, <laughs> just literally did not get any better from that point on. <laughs> yeah, he was like, he was like, this is live. This is the wolf. Yeah, exactly. He was talking to the wolf. Yeah, we're live. This is live. <laughs> this is live, man. This is live. I mean, he was. We're just, competing. No, oh, yeah, throwing out like coach speak and also just like actual yelling. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was actually – my initial reaction was <laughs> take it down a notch there. But as I think about it now, those interviews suck. So it's like it was nice to actually hear something of consequence. Like those interviews – and this is not, not any shot whatsoever 
to like Tracy Wolfson and those who do. I do that job. I understand that. But that particular interview, the in-game thing, it's horrible because it's just how, how do, what do you think? What do you got to do right now, Justice? Oh, I think we're playing pretty good. It's always the same stupid college basketball coach talk. Oh, we really got to get that. We got to limit our turnovers and we got to get down low. We got to make our shots. And that's it. So, and I, I, I get it that the network's aren't going for necessarily substance. It's just a way to make the game bigger. It, it grows the, the actual size of the game. And look at us. The game has started, and we have coaches that we could talk to in the middle of this game. And it ne- there is never any real information disseminated from those coaches. In this case, in Hubert Davis's case, <laughs> at least that was a little bit interesting. The other interesting thing, too, Sean, did you see, and I don't expect that a lot of people saw this because people usually turn turn the channel on the halftime shows if there's not an act happening, but there was, while they had the, you know, the TBS guys talking, or TNT, wherever the game was, on the studio, there was a banner in the <laughs> in the background that said it was a two-sided band that was getting right on camera. It was a sign that said from a, a obviously from a uh, from a North Carolina fan that said Roy left you for a reason. KU is ugly and smelly. <laughs> and this, and this, I did not see it, that. It did. And the, the front of the sign said Roy left you for a reason. Then you flip the sign and it says KU is ugly and smelly. <laughs> and I'm just and then all of a sudden then the camera gets the camera guy's like, Oh, I'm not gonna have this. Oh no, 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 no. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, no, 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 no. You've been got. And uh, you know, it's very sophomoric and it's idiotic, but I also thought it was wonderful at the same time. No, that's that, that those are the perfect signs to have at those sporting events. I always love when you see those ones. Like that's the best part of like college game day when they do like the signs and whatnot and hold them up in front on the broadcast. The yeah. Oh yeah. No, it was great. I was like, what's gonna happen here? Oh he's uh oh, uh oh, he's flipping the sign and <laughs> yeah. it says KU is ugly and smelly. <laughs> it's like not even like a good burn, it's just like what? <laughs> like yeah, I actually yeah, and it's actually Sean. It's if you want to see it, I actually I actually tweeted it's on my I tweeted the the video of it. I actually rec- I rewinded on my television and I tweeted. So it's on at Mark Grody Sports. It's one of my top tweets, probably. Um, in all that. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at it right now. That's uh, yeah. it's worth the payout is worth it. You wait for the sign to flip and then it comes over. It's great. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Let me uh, let's get to the the AJ Przinsky tape because he was on the Boone podcast today and I fed a couple questions to my guy Levy and one of them was I wanted to know if if eight because I want to know what do I want to know about AJ Przinsky right now I want to know if he's going to manage someday and I want to know if he's interested in managing the White Sox roll tape would you ever want to become a manager and if so does the White Sox look like a good spot for you (laughs) Yeah, I'd love to be. I'd love to manage the White Sox this year because they're going to win the division by like forty games. So yeah, I'd love to be Tony Larusa right now and have that team lined up in that division. Absolutely. And uh, other than that, uh, let's ask uh, old Brett but, uh, about his brother. He went from like this young. Aaron went from like this young, vibrant, happy-go-lucky guy. Now he's having heart problems. He's got gray hair on his face. I mean, managing ages you really fast. So I don't know if I want to do that. 
And the and the follow up question to that is, out of all the teams that you played with, you had so much success. Success. Did you ever think that the greatest accomplishments would come from the White Sox and being in Chicago when you got traded? Um. Yeah. Well, I hoped. Uh, but after we, won, I mean, we won my first year. So after that, it was kind of all cake, right? It was all gravy after that because once you win the first, you know, I won the first year as a White Sox. So and then I got to stay there for seven years after. So yeah, I never thought that growing up a twin and being a twin. But uh, after being there and playing for the White Sox organization, uh, I was definitely proud to say I was a Chicago White Sox. Yeah. That, so those are a couple of things I was interested in knowing about AJ Prezinski on the the Boone podcast, and you know, because he was he was a very prominent Minnesota twin for a long time, and then he had that brief stop in San Francisco where nobody liked him, and then he went to the White Sox, and he was great. He he really made a like the signature name i mean he had you know, aj Przinsky was a quality player with minnesota and well known but you won a world series and really showed how, how smart he was in, in the alcs with all sorts of drop third strikes and things like that the, here's the other one this one surprised me this answer to the question of who he liked to catch and it was a member of the White Sox. Take a listen to A.J. Brzezinski, whose favorite pitcher was. There's nobody, you know, I'm sure people ask you this all the time, like, who's the best this or best that or, you know, the hardest guy you ever had to face or the best pitcher you faced or or whatever, who's the guy you, you killed or what, you know, it was all the, you, know, you get the same questions, right? People always ask me as a catcher, they're like, if you had to win one game, who's the guy you take? And I'm like, Freddie Garcia. And they're like, really? Because, you know, you, I caught Johan Santana and Burley and Radke and Jason Schmidt when he was doing his thing and, and you Darvish and, you know, a long list of guys that I caught that were really, really good. And I'm like, I'll take Freddie Garcia. And they're like, really? And I'm like, that guy had balls the size of Florida. It was unbelievable. That guy wanted the ball in big games more than any guy I've ever seen. And he would perform like nobody I'd ever seen. Now you put him in a, in a, game in the middle of July that doesn't mean anything, he'll go out and give up eight. But you put him in a September game with everything on the line, he'll go out and throw seven shutout and not blink. No matter what his stuff is, it was unbelievable the stuff that guy had in the size of his his courage and his balls were unbelievable. <laughs> Jay Przinsky on Sweaty Freddy Garcia. That's hilarious, the idea, because that, that was Freddy Garcia. Like, there were some real taxing as he said, like middle of July or August, and there's Freddie, like literally sweating buckets, and you know he didn't have the the, the highest velocity. Like there were just some days that Freddie Garcia was prone to getting launched by the hitters, and uh, but you know I still would never have thought that AJ Prezinski would have said Freddie Garcia, even though he makes good points. I mean, shouldn't the answer just be Mark Burley just based on the fact that you put a sign down and Burley throws it to you like within two seconds? Like he never – did Burley ever shake? Did he? Shake, shake? I don't think he did. It was just like there's two fingers, three fingers. Okay, pitch. Here comes the pitch. Like how could that not be your favorite guy? Uh, 312 is the number. A few more uh, text messages. Can you see Lynn, Giolito, and Keiko all having 15-plus wins season? 
Probably not. Probably not. Um, Lynn, obviously, out six to eight weeks. Um, I don't know that. Uh, maybe, maybe G- yeah, Giolito for sure. I don't see it out of Keuchel, though, either. From the 847, you think the Cubs still play small ball this year? It's an interesting lineup. What is the Cubs lineup? I don't know if I have time to do this exercise, but who's it going to be? Let's, is Hap going to lead off, or is Madrigal going to lead off? Let's just do this. Let's say here's my lineup. Let's go Nick Madrigal to lead off. Let's go Hap second. Um, let's go, oh, my God, what have I gotten myself into? Let's go Seiya Suzuki as your number three hitter and your starting right fielder. Um Yep. Guess what? Frank Schwindel is going to hit cleanup in my lineup and play first base. So that's four guys down. <laughs> all right. All this right. Is going Pat- super well. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go Patrick Wisdom as your number five hitter and your starting third baseman. So that's five. I'm through five. Um, let's go, I guess, who's going to start at shortstop? Is it going to be on opening day? Is it going to be Horner or VR? It's probably I Horner. Like- okay. All right. And the contact guy. So that's six, right? So he's your six hitter. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah. Yep, still here for two more years. We've got to find a spot for Hayward. No, wait a minute. I'm an idiot. I forgot about Wilson Contreras. Yeah, this messes the say, whole thing up. What the <laughs> hell your, was I thinking? <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Well, now I'm stuck with that. Wilson Contreras will be batting eighth in my lineup. And remember, you got the DH this year. Um Obviously, Jason Hayward will be playing, and um, so, oh, God, I'm totally, I guess all right, I'm going to work on this. So it would probably have to be, it would have to be Madrigal or, or VR probably, yeah. one of those guys. I, I really like Jonathan VR, so get him into my lineup, but I'll work on this. I'll work on that. I will get, I will present to you a Cubs and Sox starting lineup. On score overnight tomorrow night. We will also let's just do it. I'll put, Sean, I was going to say we'll we'll, we'll we'll do some do picks our picks. And, yeah, uh, let's do our picks. We can let's get our, our lineup going and stuff too as well. We get our lineups going. We'll do our picks. A little MVP, little Cy Young. So that is something we could look forward to when the clock strikes midnight again tonight. But um, yeah, I failed that. Rough draft of the Cubs lineup. We really had so much time, though. <laughs> There's only like two legitimate players, and Wilson Contreras is one of them, and I had him hitting eighth. Oh, my God. Thanks for listening to Score Overnight. Appreciate all your calls and your texts and your tweets. I'm on Twitter if you would like, at Mark Grody Sports. Thanks to our executive producer, Sean Sears, for doing a great job. The both of us will be back at midnight tonight. Molly and Haw are next, 5 at 5, pick 6. John Heyman, Tim Brando, Mike Florio, all-star lineup again on the Molly and Haw Show. I'm Mark Grody. The boys are next on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 